Hi folks, welcome to my front room here in Southampton. Uh, just want to extend a warm welcome to you and uh, it's great to be with you today. And we're going to be digging into the Bible and uh, might not be something you're used to uh, if you're looking in online. Uh, but can I assure you this is where we get all of our information from and it's so helpful for us. So uh, I just want to uh, welcome you uh, and we're going to dig into a very famous piece of scripture this morning, a very famous piece of the Old Testament. Uh, and it's something that even if you've never been to church, you may have come across this piece of scripture. There have been some songs sung about it, but also uh, it's often sung at funerals and in a day when we seem to be surrounded by an increased level of, of anxiety and death in particular, perhaps this has an added poignancy for us even today. So it's, it's one of the Psalms, Psalm 23, and the Psalms are songs that many of them were written by David, who will uh, be somebody who you may have heard of, King David, who was had previously been a shepherd boy. And uh, so let me read it to you. And uh, just to let you know what I've got here, I've got my Bible here. So that's where I'm going to get my information from. I've got some notes here to try and keep me on track. I've also got here in my front room a clock to make sure that uh, I, uh, I, I use my time well. And uh, you'll be pleased to know. You know, there was a uh, a vicar once who uh, was coming up to preach and he took off his watch and he laid it down on the on the on the lectern uh, and he's looked at his congregation he said you understand what that means don't you when I lay my watch down on the lectern and he looked at them in the eye and he said absolutely nothing <laughs> but don't worry we're not going to be long today it's going to be very brief so let me read to you psalm 23 the lord is my shepherd i shall not be in want He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So some of those words might be familiar to you. So let's unpack a little bit of perhaps some of the things that they they mean. Well, really, it begins with who God is. And uh, again, if you're looking in or new to church or just found us on the Internet, this is a really important question. Who is God and what is he like? And we get a really great glimpse of some of his character here in this psalm. How is he described? He's described and he describes himself as a shepherd. Now, a shepherd is an important role. We're obviously described in, in, this, uh, in this scripture as sheep. And do you know what? One, one thing occurs to me about shepherding and sheep. We're never more aware of our need for shepherding than we are when we're in a time of danger or peril. You imagine being a sheep and getting caught uh, in, a, in a barbed wire fence or on a cliff edge or, or running out of grass or, or having no food or, or being a attacked by wolves that's when you really need a shepherd and we feel very much don't we at the moment that we're facing some kind of trial some kind of international trauma and so it's good to know that God's revealed character includes this aspect of him being a shepherd 
So he starts by saying, David starts by saying, the Lord is my, my shepherd. And, and David needed a shepherd. He needed a shepherd. When you look back at the previous psalm, he's in danger. He opens the previous psalm, Psalm 22, by saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he's feeling like he's in danger. Interestingly, those are the words that Jesus spoke as well at the cross. And so there's an element to which we can start to see that David has some kind of parallels with Jesus here as well, which is an interesting aside. But David knew that he needed a shepherd. And so this is a really important feature for us to, to pick up on. It's at times when we feel perhaps a little bit isolated, perhaps a little bit alone, perhaps a little bit in danger, that we need the, to know the closeness of a shepherd around us. And, and the sheep did need a shepherd. And many people in our world will think, well, we don't really need anyone. Um, it's, it's all down to us. It's down to me. I, I want to live my life the way I want to live it. And uh, I'm fairly independent and free thinking. I don't need anybody watching over me. I don't need anybody helping me make decisions. But at times like this, I think we suddenly become aware of our need uh, for shepherding. And it's good to acknowledge that. Sometimes we all need help. And David certainly did. But the other thing that God being a shepherd speaks to us about, you know, for a shepherd, the sheep were his livelihood. And so they had a huge value to him. A shepherd would be passionate about making sure that his sheep were healthy, well-fed, safe. And so for us, it's good to know that we have a value. You're not just the product of your DNA. You're not just the, the end of a journey of evolution. You are loved and valued by God. You're precious to him, part of his flock. And so it's important that we understand both that we need a shepherd and that we're highly valued by that shepherd. And and I've been praying really that in these days, many people would experience some of the love and the care that God offers. I've enjoyed being part of his flock now for, I don't know, since 1992 was when I became a Christian and became part of the flock of God, if you like. And, and, and maybe for you today, it's important for you to think, well, am I part of that? Do I need to be part of that? Because we all need shepherding and we all need to know that value. So I pray you'll know that by the end of what I want to say today. I pray you'll really know that you're valued and also that you do need a shepherd. But I want you to see why. Let's look at some of the benefits that we get being part of this this shepherd's flock. He says he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. He restores our soul and he guides me in paths of righteousness. And he, um, and even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we won't fear any evil. So there's some very tangible benefits that we get for being part of this flock. Firstly, our needs are met. He says, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not be in want. You know, when you've got a shepherd who's providing for you, you don't need in the same way. You don't hunger in the same way because someone is always looking after you. You know, I've got some incredible stories since I've been a Christian of how God has provided for me and ways that he's provided for me and things that he's done miraculously. Some of you that are Christians, you'll know this secret. You know, there are times when you just, you don't know where the next thing's going to come from. And all of a sudden, there it is. And God has delivered again and again. You see, when you've got a shepherd who provides for you, your needs are met. David also says he makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, this is really important. 
This whole notion of laying down in green pastures, I don't know about you, but I've been fairly frenetic since we started this kind of coronavirus lockdown. Um, we've got my family here. Um, my daughter-in-law is expecting a baby, uh, so they've moved in with us. My own daughter was due to be getting married this summer, so we've got all of that going on. So we've got three generations at the moment living in our, our family home, uh, and it's pretty busy. I'm not one of those ones that's isolated and left on my own. Um, but that means that finding space, finding rest is difficult. But here in this psalm, it tells me that God makes me lie down in green pastures. That means as a shepherd, there are times when he says, you know what you need to do? You, you need some rest here. You need to take some time here just to rest. But there's more to it than the in this psalm. It's not just about getting some time out. He says he makes us lie down in green pastures. What do green pastures represent for a flock? Well, it's, it's food, isn't it? It's food. So God is saying, I want you to lie down, but it's, this is not a passive lying down. It's, it's, it's a lying down and being strengthened and refreshed by eating something healthy. Now, let me tell you, the, this, this Bible, the Word of God, is described as food. It's described as spiritual food. And just as we need physical food to keep us physically alive, so we need spiritual food to keep us spiritually alive. And, and the Bible, the Word of God, is that food to us. So even by listening to what I'm sharing with you from the Bible today will help bring you strength and will help you to sustain you through a period when things might be difficult for all of us. So, so there's a spiritual rest as well as a physical rest that this shepherd offers us. Also, there's a strength that comes to us. David says in this psalm that he leads us beside still waters. Now, water in the Bible is always a metaphor for God by the, who, 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 who is a spirit, God the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so when we're thinking about him leading us beside still waters, it's indicating our need for a constant refreshing in God. Do you know God isn't distant? God comes and he dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. And so when the psalm talks about us being led beside still waters, it's being led into a place where God by his Spirit is dwelling in us and with us and leading us to a place where we, we couldn't go ourselves. You know, we couldn't enjoy the presence of God unless it were for God himself who made a way for us to enjoy that. We've received his grace. Those of you that are Christians, you've received grace and forgiveness. And now you can be led beside still waters. You can receive the Holy Spirit again and again. But there are even more benefits that come with this good shepherd. It says that he restores our souls. He restores us. You know, I love buying bits of old furniture and rubbing them down and getting rid of some of the blemishes and then perhaps fixing some of the bits that are broken and then finally putting on a beautiful layer of beeswax or, or some kind of finish to make it really complete. And, and that's what restoration is like, really. Restoration is when uh, things are taken that are broken or damaged or, 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 or have been used in a previous season but are now obsolete and after a, some work and a process they are renewed into a new lease of life. It's the ultimate upcycling. A Christian is the ultimate upcycle. God took me when I was broken, when I was bruised, when I was damaged and he restored me. He restored me. That means he made every part of me 
new. You know, the Apostle Paul taught in the New Testament that when someone becomes a Christian, he's a new creation. You see, maybe that's what you need to hear today, that there's a way that God can restore you. He can take away all the old, broken, damaged stuff and he can give you a brand new life. It's really important that you understand that that is on offer today, a brand new life. And this shepherd restores us. He restores our souls. And then he leads us in paths of righteousness, it says. That means we're no longer wandering down paths of unrighteousness where we're just selfish and arrogant and doing our own thing. No, actually, he leads us to a place where we are now honouring him, where we are experiencing his love in our own lives. We're able to then extend that to those around us. And so we start to walk in paths that are now righteous. We start to do the things that please him instead of the things that just please ourselves. So we start to I guess as sheep, we start to emulate something of what our shepherd is, because obviously Jesus is the one who's fully righteous. And I pray that you'll, during these days, you'll experience some of these things that this shepherd offers, having your needs met, having the rest that you need, having the spiritual food that you need, being filled with the Holy Spirit like we need, being restored like we need, and then being led into these paths of righteousness. We all need this stuff. And so it's good that you're here today and it's good that you're hearing it. Do you know, this, this psalm speaks of a valley. It, it, David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And interestingly, the psalm itself in its depth is shaped a bit like a valley. We start thinking about the shepherd, but it gets deeper as we get into the fourth verse of this psalm where David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, I want you to understand the depth of what David is getting at here. He says, I'm walking through this valley. I want you just to think about that word walk for a moment. Because walking is going forward. Walking is putting one foot in front of the other and making some progress. Walking is deliberately heading in a direction and traveling in that direction one bit at a time. And David says, I'm walking, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David doesn't say, I'm, 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 I'm stuck in the valley of the shadow of death. So he's not despairing. He's not saying, I've been going up and down and up and down and up and down in the valley of the shadow of death or round and round the sh- valley of the shadow of death. No, he says, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. So every day he's making purposeful progress as he walks. And can I encourage you that each day you wake up, you've got an opportunity to walk. Even in this valley, even in this valley of coronavirus, COVID-19, the valley of the shadow of death, you can still make daily progress. Don't try and take on the next month. Don't even try and take on the next week. One day at a time, why don't you determine to say, okay, I'm going to make some progress today. I'm going to do this or that to bring some order out of the chaos, to bring some love where there is fear, to bring some strength where there is weakness. This is what I'm going to do each day to bring myself to a place where I'm able to continue walking. Do it. Steady advance. Equally, David doesn't say, I'm running through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't say I'm kind of I'm alarmed and I'm panicking and I need to get out of this as quickly as I can. No, he's at peace because he knows who his shepherd is. And so he's walking through this valley of the shadow of death.
I do want you to notice another word in there as well though, and it's the word through. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that word through is really important when you're in a valley because it means you've come in one end and you will go out the other end. It means you're passing through. It means it's temporary in the way that you enter into a tunnel and then you exit at the other end. Or if you have a drink of Coca-Cola and you suck it up through a straw, it goes in one end, it goes through the straw, comes out the other end. Now, I want you to understand this. Lockdown will be over. We came in it and we will come out the other end. This is a through thing, not an in thing. And David says, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, this season is temporary. I want you to understand it. That's why we can have hope. That's why we don't need to despair because we are going through the valley, not round in circles in the valley, not up and down in the valley, but through the valley. And there will be a day when this is over. And that's a day of hope. Now, I don't want to, by saying that, I don't want to belittle the valley and the trial and the difficulty that it is. David described his valley as the valley of the shadow of death. This is very, very real. We have had people in our own church who have been in hospital, who have stopped breathing. By the grace of God, they've survived. I know of others who have not survived. As a nation and as nations on this planet, we are certainly in the valley of the shadow of death. But I want you to understand something about this scripture. A shadow, a shadow isn't the real thing. Now understand this. When someone becomes a Christian, he's not just a new creation, but the hope that he has doesn't just go on through life. So it's not just that we're going to one day come out of this valley of coronavirus. One day, for those who put their trust in Jesus, there will be an end to this life and a journey on to the next one. And that is the real adventure of eternity. That's why David describes this as a valley of a shadow of death. Because for the Christian, death no longer has a hold on us. It no longer has a sting. It no longer has the same implications. If death was the end and then there was no more, I would be in fear with the rest of you. But death is just a doorway to a new adventure. Death is just a gateway to an eternal life with God. Either that or we are outside of Christ and we die and then we are separated from him for all eternity. And that's a fate worse than death. And I wouldn't wish that on any of you. So if you haven't yet put your trust in Christ, I want to urge you to do that today. It doesn't matter if you're a child, young, old, if you've not believed for the whole of your life. Why not? When you're in the grip of this virus, when you're in the grip of this valley of the shadow of death, why don't you take a chance on Jesus and give yourself the great hope that will go on eternally? And then death will lose its sting for you as well. Do you know what? I'm actually not afraid of getting coronavirus and I'm not afraid of dying because for me to love is Christ and to die is gain. That's me. That means if God wants me to stay here, I'm happy to to stay here but if God wants me to be with him I can think of no better place to be can you see how it loses its fear that's why David can say even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death I'm not going to fear any evil but there's another reason it's not just the eternal hope 
David knows the reality of the presence of this shepherd in the valley with him. So he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. He's looking at the shepherd and saying, you're with me. You're with me in this valley. I'm not alone in this valley. We're together in this valley. Do you know there are times when it's good to know that we are not on our own, even in isolation. There is a good shepherd who is with us in the valley. So if you're one of those people that's had to self-isolate on your own, can I just say you are not on your own. There is one who is with you, a good shepherd. Even though you're in this valley, you don't need to fear any evil because he is with you. Get that. Understand that. He is with you. And it says here that his rod and staff comfort you. Now these rod and staff, you imagine a shepherd, he's got a rod and a staff. One is to poke the sheep in the right direction. Yeah, the other is a, a, the shepherd's staff of his authority. And so this speaks of God's authority, God's sovereignty, God's care. You know, even in the valley, God is with you and God cares. Your part is to walk. To walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and not to be in fear. You know, you can find comfort in his promises. And the final thing I want to mention is this. There's a wonderful few verses at the end of this psalm. Let me read it to you. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, guys, this is incredible what David says here. Firstly, he's waking our eyes up to the fact that we have enemies. We do have enemies. And usually enemies cause us to fear. And usually if we're in a situation where enemies are attacking us, we would want to run or we would want to be protected We would want our shepherd to somehow put a barrier between us and our enemies. But that's not what God says he does here. It's interesting. God says, no, I'm not going to take the enemies away. What I'm going to do, we're going to sit down, me and you, and I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Now, this is quite an incredible thing, and I want you to understand this. In Middle Eastern culture, you can imagine desert lands. To prepare a table for somebody was the height of hospitality. It means we're going to put up a tent. It means we're going to stop. It means we're going to take time out of the sun and out of the heat. We're going to get out the best tablecloths. We're going to get out. It's like an oasis of refreshment in the midst of an arid land. And this good shepherd, Jesus, says, I'm going to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Now, this is incredible. I don't know what you feel like your enemies are. But in this scripture, God says, they do not phase me one bit. Here's what we're going to do. You and I, we're going to take some time out. They can carry on what they're doing. They can threaten. They can speak. They can lie. But what you and I are going to do is we're going to sit down and have a meal together because I'm not afraid of them. They don't scare me. I'm sovereign. I'm God. They're not. So, hey, you and me, let's just sit down together. Here, why don't you have some grapes? 
Why don't you have a glass of wine? Why don't you relax? Here, have some bread. And, and can you imagine it? Just picture yourself for a moment, sat one-to-one -one with Jesus, him on one side of the table, you on the other side of the table. What does this speak of? Intimacy. You see, the reason we don't need to fear this valley, the reason we don't need to fear our enemies, the reason we don't need to fear coronavirus, because we're, we're sat at the table with Jesus and we are close to him and he is close to us. And we don't need to be in fear. Even when our enemies are surrounding us. Even when they're surrounding us. You see, we can gaze and see our dinner date on the other side of the table. And he's the king. <laughs> He's the king. Why should we be in fear? Why should we be in fear? We don't need to. It says he anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows. You know, this overflowing cup, it's about abundance. It's about God's provision. It's about the fact that he gives us so much that we can't contain it. Really, it's about the joy and the peace of knowing him and being known by him, of loving him and being loved by him. You see, this overflowing joy is the result of faith in Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. There are days when I'm up, there are days when I'm down, but I, I'm always overflowing with joy because I know Jesus and he knows me. You know, it doesn't matter what the battle is, doesn't matter what the valley is, doesn't matter who your enemies are. If you know Jesus, everything changes. Those of you that are already Christians, you know this secret. Knowing him has made all the difference. And there'll be some of you that are looking in today and there's a hunger in you or there's a desire in you and you know that you need a good shepherd. You know you're in a valley. You know there's fear and you need someone to protect you, to lead you through, to give you that rest, to give you that peace, to give you that strength in the midst of this valley. Well, I'm going to pray. And if you would like to know him, if you would like to come to know him, if you would like this shepherd to become your shepherd, then I'm going to invite you to pray in your own mind, your own heart, this prayer with me. And we will trust God that he will come and he will be your shepherd. So pray with me. God, I recognize today that you are a shepherd who loves his sheep. And that means that I have value. Thank you that you love me. Even in this valley, even in this trial, I'm trusting you to make me new and to lead me through. Jesus, I recognise that by your death on a cross and the new life that you came into, you made a way to offer me a brand new life, restored, put back together again. I now receive that new life. And I invite you to let me have some of that living water. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and be my shepherd today, through the valley, out the other side, and on into eternity. Thank you, Good Shepherd. Amen. Amen. Now, maybe you prayed that with me. 
That's great if you did. Why don't you get in touch with someone from the church and, uh, and chat to them about it? They'll be able to get you some help. Uh, and I hope for those of you that are Christians that you've found some strength, some help, some peace, knowing that this beautiful shepherd is right with you in the valley. And not just that, when the enemies are all around, he's right at the table with you and he enjoys so much your presence and your company. You have such value to him. Be blessed today in being a Christian. God bless you. Hope to see you soon.